Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning broadcast of Barry Dye Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service from downtown Tyler, Texas. My name is Doug Baker. I'm the lead pastor. And over the next several weeks, we're going to have several different preachers and different opportunities of celebration here at Marvin Church. Confirmation Sunday, Children's Sunday, Graduating Senior Sunday, and then we'll have Dr. Pat Day leading a sermon for Memorial Day weekend, and then John Wayne McMahon's final weekend here at Marvin Church as he preaches for the June 5th celebration, all church celebration. Thanks for joining us. The service is underway. Let's join the broadcast. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell within you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, man. Please be seated. Well, again, good morning and a special welcome to those watching on CBS 19 as well as watching our live stream on both Facebook or YouTube. We're so glad that all of you are here today. Also, I want to thank John Fry. Thank you, John, so much for being here this morning to help us in worship. Mark is preaching down in core. John Wayne Yesterday, walked across the stage to receive his doctoral degree up in Ohio, and he's on his way back to Tyler this week. And of course, Doug continues his sabbatical. He will be back on June the 1st. Doug? Doug, did I say somebody else? Doc. Doug. We'll get it all right. Thank you. Today, we continue in the fifth installment of our sermon series on Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. We began back in chapter 1 with Paul emphasizing the supremacy of Jesus over all things. We then explored the importance of Christ in each of us and then the importance of us as believers in Jesus, worshiping and communing together as one. And finally, last week, Dr. Mark Donaldson shared with us how you can live new and renewed lives when Jesus is within you and his presence as at work in you as well. Today, I will be continuing the sermon series talking about how we can clothe ourselves in Christ and how we can use him as our guide, our method, if you will, to live out our lives as God's chosen people. But first, will you join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday evening, I had the pleasure of visiting with my high school football coach from McKinney High School. First time I had seen that coach in 48 years. Now, keep in mind I was playing high school football at the age of three. 
I was blessed though. Roger and Kathy Strang, who attended the 830 service, they helped me to connect with Coach Ron Poe and his wife who moved out to Hideaway a number of years back. And then the time that I spent visiting with Coach Poe, I had the opportunity to share with him my gratitude for instilling in me a spirit of striving to never give up. Whether it was on the football practice field doing two days in August or dealing with the myriad of challenges that life has thrown at me over the course of my life. Throughout each of our lives, many of us, myself included, have strived to be achievers. If we study harder, we'll make better grades. If we put in all those extra hours on the job, surely the boss will notice. Maybe we'll get a raise or even a promotion. The doctrine of hard work might well be one of the pillars which supports our free market enterprise system here in the United States and why our nation has been able to achieve all that it has done in its 246-year history. You can achieve just about anything you want if you try hard enough, right? If you just work at it enough. Sometimes, somewhere in your life, someone most likely has given you that advice. It might be a parent or a teacher or someone you really look up to. And so, have you ever thought, if you just try harder, you could be a better Christian? Proverbs 14, 23 tells us, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. In his blog entitled The Aquila Report, author Ed Welch suggests the idea of working harder sounds biblical, does it not? Who among us isn't trying to work harder to love our neighbors, to love God, to eat better, to waste less time and to exercise more? And aren't we supposed to work out our salvation and to live like athletes who want to win the race? Forgive me, but I sat on my microphone this morning and it's not working with me very well, so maybe it will fit a little bit better. Bear with me. Welsh continues... Faith, which is the primary human response to God, means that we trust Him. Him and not ourselves. More specifically, faith means Jesus, help me. And this is very, very different from a foundational belief that I must try harder. As author J.D. Walt puts it, God loves us, and because he does love us, does that not mean that we can trust him to watch over us? Can we not conclude that we are, in fact, lovable and worthy of his love? Can we not also conclude that his love for us is not founded on how hard we work or what we have and have not done. But rather his love is pure and simple, founded on grace, God's unmerited favor bestowed upon all of those he loves. And that includes each and every one of us. Above my computer screen in my office upstairs, there's this framed print of my favorite scripture, Philippians 4.13. 
It goes like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not on my own, but through Christ I can do all things. Or as verse, 13, uh, verse 17 of our scripture today reads from Colossians. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. As God's chosen people, Paul writes that we are to clothe ourselves with what he refers to in his letter to the Galatians as the fruits of the Spirit. Now picture this figuratively. Our old clothing as our former selves being torn, soiled, and in shreds. But through our baptism, we have put on the magnificent wardrobe of the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of the Creator. Now, keep in mind that my sermon this morning is entitled, Jesus Christ, Our Method. So imagine, if you will, a method actor preparing for a role. In 2004, Terrell native Jamie Foxx won an Academy Award for portraying the famous blind singer-songwriter Ray Charles. And to transform himself into this iconic musician, Fox shed 30 pounds in a week-long fast, which was followed by a very strict and painful diet, daily workouts. But all of that, that wasn't the hard part. For you see, to transform fully, in addition to having eyelid prosthetics and sunglasses modeled after those, those uh, glasses that Ray Charles always wore, Fox had his eyelids glued shut for 14 hours a day. This resulted in him having severe panic attacks for the, the first two weeks on the set. And he really struggled because sometimes his fellow co-workers would forget and just leave him at the restaurant on the set and he couldn't find his way back. When as Christians, we seek to grow to be more like Christ, we too have to put on the costume of the role that we are to play. That is, the character of Jesus Christ. It's not hard to visualize how Jamie Foxx strived to get into the spirit of his character, but, but as Christians, we too must strive to exhibit the spirit of the character we seek to emulate, Jesus Christ our Lord. So just how do we go about clothing ourselves in Christ? We're here in the text this morning, and as Sarah so wonderfully exhibited, Paul gives us five qualities, five virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So join me as we take a deeper dive into those five virtues. Let's start with compassion. When we're compassionate, we are willing to be merciful and to be caring. In a question and answer session with an expert in the law, Jesus shared a parable about a man who had been attacked by robbers, stripped and left for dead along the side of the road. And in the parable, Jesus shared the great pains taken by the religious order of the day not to get involved. Yet later, a Samaritan traveler comes along the road. This traveler's ethnicity was pungent to the nostrils of those same Jewish leaders. 
The Samaritan immediately began to administer first aid on the man before taking him to the nearest urgent care center. And there he told the front office staff to take care of this injured man and that he would be back in a few days to square up the bill. Closing out this teaching moment, Jesus asked the expert in the law, which of the characters in the parable was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by robbers? To which the expert in the law said, the one who showed compassion. And in response, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Next, let's talk about kindness. Someone who is kind is generous and hospitable, helpful and sympathetic. My wife, Laura, came across a story about a dad named Joey who took his young daughter, Stella, to their favorite chicken sandwich place to have lunch. You may have heard this of this restaurant, but you can't go there today because it's closed on Sunday. <laughs> and after eating and spending time on the playground, the father and daughter went back to the counter to claim the ice cream cone that came with Stella's kid's meal. And while sitting there waiting, they had a front row seat at what would happen next. And just a moment later, a homeless man walked into the restaurant and asked if there was any food or scraps or leftovers that he might have a bite to eat. Mud covered his well-worn shoes. His hair was matted, and his beard gave the indication that he often did not have a chance to shave. People near him kept at their distance, yet he patiently waited for a manager to come over to talk to him. And carefully listening, father and daughter heard the manager tell the homeless man, I'd love to give you a warm, full meal. No scraps, no leftovers, but I have just one favor to ask, one requirement. Will you let me pray with you? And there in the middle of the restaurant, in the front of the lobby, extremely crowded, there was no room to scoot people over. As busy as he was, the manager just reached out, laid his hand on the man, and began to pray for him. To this man, to this homeless man, the, or to this manager, the homeless man was not someone to be cast aside, not some untouchable stain on the business that day. Encouraging Stella to watch, Joey turned to notice that his little daughter had also turned her head down to bow in prayer as well. Sometimes lessons in kindness come from the strangest places at the most unexpected times. Paul also encourages us to clothe ourselves in humility, the opposite of pridefulness, assertiveness, or pretense. St. Teresa of Avila, 16th century Spanish nun, shared these words to those who were under her direction. I give you this one bit of advice. Do not think that you will ever attain peace through your own efforts. Such would be unavailing, and after you had been in devotion, you would ultimately become cold again. But simply and humbly, for humility means everything. Simply and humbly say, thy will be Among God's chosen in our closet must also hang gentleness. 
that being the very opposite of harshness or violence. Gentleness includes a meekness or a mildness like a shepherd as the prophet Isaiah tells and pictures God. He says he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Finally, we are to put on patience. One virtue that so oftentimes eludes me. Patience is something that I oftentimes ask from God. A spirit of calmness in the midst of the storm. A gift of holding one's tongue when you'd rather give someone a piece of your mind. M.J. Ryan, who is the author of the best-selling series, Random Acts of Kindness, shares that we need to live wider and deeper lives, not just faster ones. And in order to do so, we need to practice patience, patience with ourselves, patience with each other, and patience in the big and small circumstances of life itself. Five virtues, each one noble in and of itself. Yet something is still missing. What is the mortar that holds all of the bricks together in our spiritual lives? What keeps our spiritual houses from collapsing in the midst of a strong wind? Paul shares the answers. Move our fingers down to verse 15 of chapter 3. Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Over all of these virtues, put on love. In this world of supply chain shortages, love to me seems like an extremely scarce emotional commodity these days. Our world has a hard time extending love and it has an even harder time receiving it. Seems like we just don't do a very good job of allowing Christ's love to rule in our hearts. Why do you think that's so? In the second epistle of John, the apostle writes, anyone who loves his brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates their brother or their sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Marvin Fan, I want to suggest to you today that we live in a world predominated by darkness. A week ago Saturday, an 18-year-old suspect walked into the Topps supermarket in Buffalo, New York and promptly proceeded to kill 10 individuals. A Google search this week lists suspected causes of the shooting ranging from the COVID-19 pandemic, racism, mental illness, and some are even blaming a late-night conservative television news host. Whatever the right answer or combination of right answers might be, I would suggest to you that the darkness of this fallen world must be chief among those causes. If we only could, 
Whenever we find ourselves in darkness, reach over and flip the light switch, bathing the room with the light of Christ by drawing ourselves near to the God who loves us. And so why do we and so many other folks have such a difficult time allowing Christ's love to rule in our hearts? Have our hearts become so hardened that we have lost our objectivity? Have we come to think of ourselves as so self-dependent that why on earth do we think we would need a Savior? Pause for a moment to contemplate how many folks have simply turned away from the church because they see it associated with what has become a political position in opposition to their own beliefs. I personally know a family that has stopped attending church because in their mind, they blame Christians for the election of the 45th president of the United States. Might our concerns of what our peers might think of us have greater relevance than the ultimate act of peace and grace and forgiveness that God offers us through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Yet still for others, the appeal of the treasures of this world holds greater value than those things eternal. In Matthew's Gospel, a rich young man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And the young man replied, All of these I have kept since I was a boy. What still do I lack? And Jesus replied, if, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So with all of the darkness which pervades our culture today. How can we let Christ's peace, his message, dwell within our hearts? How can we allow Jesus to become our way, our method? Paul first tells us in his letter that the peace of Christ comes when we open our hearts to him, when we put our faith and our trust in his provision for our lives. Last Thursday afternoon, I received an unexpected phone call from a construction contractor who was on his way from Shreveport out to Hideaway to build a storage shed in which I was going to keep my lawnmower and some of my tools. I didn't know he was coming that day. What was worse, I, I got all excited. Then I realized that the construction contractor who was responsible for obtaining a building permit had not done so. So panic began to sweep over me and I began to have this awful sense of dread. No permit, no construction. And so now how long am I going to have to wait before I can get another contractor to come out and build my shed because they're certainly going to be turned away at the front gate. And then it hit me. As I was anxiously driving home from the church to plead my case with the Homeowners Association, I paused and realized that I needed to stop and pray. 
My prayer wasn't for world peace or a cure for cancer, but nonetheless, I called on God to be present and to help me through this moment of uncertainty. And thankfully, the HOA manager in a building inspector were gracious enough to get me my building permit in record time, but the building was completed that day. But as I look back on that experience, it wasn't the building itself that I was praying for. I knew that it eventually would be built. Now, what I was praying for was peace. Peace knowing that I had fouled up and I hadn't done what I needed to do to get the permit myself. And that my, my well, I may well have caused a team of construction guys to drive all the way from Shreveport to Lindale just to be turned away at the gate. Dr. Pat Thomas, a spiritual mentor to many in our congregation, oftentimes quoted Philippians 4, 7. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And as powerful as are those words of hope, they come as a result of an admonishment, Philippians 4, 6, the verse immediately preceding 4, 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request. To God. The world was not hanging on whether or not my shed was built that day, but there was a potential for a lot of stress and worry as a result of my poor planning and failure to follow through. And as my bride jokingly reminds me just about each and every day, I don't have anything else going on in my life. I should have been more attentive to taking care of that. But God is faithful in the small stuff as well as the big stuff. In his letter to the church at Colossae, Paul reminds us that as members of one body, we are called to peace. And when we gather together in community, we support one another. We encourage one another. We learn from one another. And most importantly, we worship with one another. Arthur J.D. Walt again reminds us, peace through weakness. It's what a lot of us need right now because, let's face it, our strength has failed. We need to lean into a community of peace. People who get the mysterious reality of death and reaction because they have lived through it. We need the kind of peace that the world cannot give. We need the peace of Christ. We don't need someone smoke speaking mindless religious words to us. We need someone that will embrace us, chaos and all, and then not let go of us when the embrace is over. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus' way in the world needs to be our way in the world. We need to be like him in all things. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life.
I'd like to leave you with these words of encouragement. God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. Together, we can change the world. Please contact me at marvinumc.com or join us in person for worship. May God bless you.